In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, into the ages of all ages, Amen. I'm really happy to be here with you guys, and uh, it's a really, really big blessing for me. Um, and um, I'm actually really excited to talk with you about this, because this is actually something that's really personal to me. Um, uh, how to how to be you and how to have your own identity and I'm going to share some stories with you and some stuff that's you know pretty personal um, so uh, so I, I hope I hope that uh, God will use this time for you and for me um, how many of you are familiar with the X-Men anybody yeah sure okay so you know like 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 Professor Xavier has this school for gifted youngsters Right, and uh, there are all these, there are all these, these different um, like people with superpowers. Right, so I want to ask you if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? Let's get like f five answers from you guys. Teleportation. Teleportation. Super speed. Super speed. Intelligence. Who else? Time. Controlling time. That's cool. I've heard going back in time, but controlling time, I've never heard that one before. That's awesome. What else? Somebody from this side. To fly. To fly. Right? And all of us have these all of us have these these ideas and these dreams of what we could do if we had power that we don't have or we don't think we have and that's the stuff dreams are made of you know that's why these two brothers called the Wright brothers they looked up at the sky and they said we don't belong here we belong up there you know and why do the birds get to fly and we don't get to fly right and they kept at it right and nobody knows the Wright brothers for, for their printing press. And nobody knows the Wright brothers for their other inventions or their innovations as much as we know them for being the first ones to ever have controlled, sustained flight. And God only knows whether we would, we would be flying places. And they've changed the world because they said, I want to fly. And who knows? Maybe somebody says, I want to I, I be able to move through time. Or I want to be able to, to move matter. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But you know what it all comes down to? It all comes down. What it all comes down to is it all, com it all comes down to you being you. It all comes down to just you doing what only you can do. You know? And being, being you and that's where this whole business of identity comes from and and then you know we ask ourselves th this question who who am i um am i am i what my what i study you know am i am i what my online presence is am i what what people say about me on facebook or what people like about me like i post this i post that people like that i post this i post that nobody nobody seems to care so i'm this and that you know, am I like my, what my what I am on like my online gaming presence? Who who am I? 
Who am I and what do I do? And if we look, if we want to look somewhere and find an answer to that, we can certainly look to the Word of God. We can certainly look to Scripture. We can certainly look to the Bible. We can certainly look to, the, to you know, the teaching of our fathers and the teaching of the church over the ages. And the Bible will tell you, you are significant. You are unique. You are secure. You are chosen. And the, the, the handout that you received just now, um, we're going to refer to that, but you're going to find, if you flip it open, you're going to find two columns on each sheet. How I feel and think and what God's Word really says. I think I'm unlovable. God's Word says I am very loved. And here's the evidence. John 15, 9, Romans 8, 35 to 39, Ephesians 2, 4 to 6, John 3, 1, and 4.10, and so on. I am unacceptable. You are accepted. I am unworthy. You are worthy. And you'll find, you'll find here scriptural evidence telling you what God says about who you are. You are loved. You are accepted. You are worthy. You are great. You are victorious. You are never alone. You are free from fear. You are content. You are strong in Christ. You have God's wisdom. You are free. You are totally forgiven. You have access to God at any time. God forgive me. Father Blessed was trying to reach me many moons ago and he called me and I said I'll call you back and then I never called him back and I forgot and then he called me a few more times and I was traveling and then he thought I just didn't want to talk to him well I don't blame him he called me several times right and he couldn't he didn't he couldn't get access to me okay you don't have that problem with God God doesn't travel God doesn't forget his phone on silent God doesn't get busy God doesn't forget you have access to God. I've been adopted by God as his child, and so on, right? We'll get back to this in a little bit. You know, it's very interesting. When people spend a lot of time together, they start to talk like each other. They start to think like each other. They start to act like each other. And guess what? Over time, they kind of start to look like each other, right? And if you spend time with God, who knows what may happen to you? Any of you guys watch Evan Almighty? Right? He wakes up one morning looking like this, right? I want to share with you a little model, right? That you have been taken by God, blessed by God, broken by God, and given by God. And we're going we're gonna to go through each one of these things. Um, so taken by God. You know what this is like? You ever play sports at school? And, uh, you know, they say, oh, make two teams. Okay, you know, team captain A, team captain B, and then they pick people, you know. And, um, you know, there were some sports I was good at and other sports I was not very good at. And the ones I was not very good at, I was, like, always the last person to get picked. And I hated it. When I, I much preferred when, like, you know, they'd say, okay, we're just going to make teams like this, one, two, one, two, one, two, because then I didn't have to be the last person to be picked, Right. You know, or, or I tried out for the, I remember, I remember grade seven, I tried out for the basketball team and I didn't make it. And I was heartbroken. I was shattered. It felt like the end of my life. I made the volleyball team, but heck, who wants to play volleyball when you could play basketball, right? And little did I know that I would go on to coach championship winning teams um, in basketball. 
But at that moment, I felt like I just didn't make the cut. Guess what? God says, you made the cut. You have been chosen. He has chosen you. And you have God's favor. Don't believe me? In Jesus' baptism, when he goes down in the water and he comes back up, a voice is heard from heaven, the voice of the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I want to tell you that if you are in Christ, everything which pertains to Christ pertains to you. You are in meeting room one. If they hear, we hear an announcement overhead that says everybody in meeting room one gets, you know, whatever, you know, a popsicle or an ice cream. Well, guess what? That's everybody who's in the room. The guy standing in the hallway, the person picking their nose over there, they don't get it. But you do. Why? Because you're in meeting room one. If you're in Christ, everything which applies to him applies to you and to me. This is my beloved son to all of us because it's about being in Christ in whom I'm well pleased. God is well pleased with you. You aren't what other people say about you. You aren't. You are what God says about you. Here's some more of what God says about you. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He says, I have carved your name on the palm of my hand. He says, I have molded you in the depth of the earth. God has taken you and chosen you for him. The next thing is you are blessed. Do you guys all know what superlatives are? A superlative is... A superlative is a word that ends with est for like those of us who aren't so smart, right? So like the biggest, the smallest, the nicest, the tallest, the strongest, the longest, right? So it's the best of the best. Like there's good and there's better and then there's best and there's nothing after that. So a superlative is an adjective that describes something and says, like, imagine, imagine the tallest person you've ever met in the whole wide world. That's a superlative. Like, it's the tallest. Like, there's nobody taller than, than him. Well, guess what? Funny thing, God has a superlative to refer to each one of us. Let me tell you a little story. I, um, I, I love to make the person in front of me feel like they're special because they are they're special to god and you know what they're special to me and i may or may not meet every single one of you ever again so the time i spend with you i really want it to be meaningful for you and for me because otherwise it would be such a waste who knows if i'll ever even meet you ever again so i get one chance so i used to walk up to people and i'd be like john you're the best monica you're the best Matthew, you're the best. Well, John and Monica would then look at me and be like, well, dude, like everybody can't be the best, right? Like only one person can be the best. So you can't walk around telling everybody you're the best. And I walked away from that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Not every, like, I guess one of them's got to be the best and somebody else has got to come in second and someone also just have to be last, I guess. You know what? That is kind of true for us because we have a limited amount of creativity, but God doesn't. God can say, you're the best at this, and you're the best at that, and you're the best at this, and you're the best at that. And he can, 
he can make a best for everybody because he's created every single one of us unique. You don't believe me? Look at the word of God. God says about King David, he says, David is a man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. This is not written in scripture about anybody else, only about David. About Solomon, 1 Kings 4.30 says he is the wisest man to ever live. No one before him or after him was as wise as Solomon. About Moses in Numbers 12.3, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Hezekiah, Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were there any before him. No one trusted God like Hezekiah the king. No one before him and no one after him. Josiah the king, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance to all the law of Moses. 2 Kings 22.35 No one before him, no one after him turned to the Lord with all their heart like Josiah the king. John the Baptist Truly I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, says Jesus. The Virgin Mary There's too much too much to be said to put on one slide. The pride of the human race, the fullness of all humanity is encapsulated in, in St. Mary. The saints of the church, the friend of St. Anthony, St. Paul the hermit, God says to St. Anthony, I would have destroyed the earth long ago if not for the prayers of my servant Paul. God has taken you and has blessed you. You are blessed and you have a superlative, which is different from the superlative of every single other person in this. God looks at you and says, you are the absolute best at such and such. No one before you, no one after you, was ever or will ever be like you. Now God will take you and then break you. Oh, Father John, all this good news, all this good stuff, what's with this breaking? Why does things have to break? I'll tell you why. All of us have some brokenness in us. All of us have something about us we could do very well without. Why do you not want to believe what's written here? You might be able to accept nine out of the ten lines here. Maybe there's one or two that is, you just can't, you just can't, you just can't swallow. We all have a little voice in our head that says things to us like, I'm a, I'm a little geeky, or I'm a little chubby, or, or I'm not a great athlete, or I'm not very smart, or I'm addicted to porn, or I'm very, I'm very low, I cut myself, I'm depressed, I don't have enough friends. All of us have a little voice in our head that, that highlights to us our brokenness, our failure, our inability to deliver, our just not 
good enough. And because of that, what do we do? We put on a mask, right? We pretend to be somebody because we don't want to show the fullness of who we are because we think that the fullness of who we are isn't, isn't good enough. And that's, that's what a hypocrite is. The word hypocrite is actually a Greek word which was around long before Jesus was. And it was the word they used to describe actors. So actors in Jesus' day, um, there would be like, you know, three or four or five actors who would, who would be in a play, but there would be like 20 parts. So how would they do it? They'd have a different mask for each part. So I would run on stage wearing the, you know, the, the mask with the blue hair and the green mustache, and that would make me Joe. And when I run off stage and I get the mask with the pink hair and the whatever glasses, then I'd be Mary, right? And so the same actors could play multiple roles because they're playing the role of the mask. They're not being who they really are. They're being... They're being what the mask says. So that's what a lot of us do, right? I can't, I can't afford to be who I really am or who I think I really am with you. Because I can't show you how broken I am. So what do I do? I put on a mask and then I play the role of the mask. We, all, we do that in a variety of different ways. You know, we do that with our online identity. That's the easiest, the most, the most clearest way. So I had a little bit of fun, right? Um, so I got sick of my profile picture. So I decided to make an avatar for myself. So I made this avatar for myself. And you know what? I think this avatar has great hair, you know? I think it's much better than my hair, right? So I, now I have this profile picture or I can use this profile picture. I don't know. I kind of like him better. So you know what? I'm just going to tell the world that that's me. Right? I'm just going to tell the world that that's me. Because I kind of like this guy. This guy looks kind of cool. This guy, I don't know. He's a bit pudgy. He seems like a nice guy, but like, I think it ends kind of there. You know? So maybe we'll just go with this guy right? But God doesn't, God doesn't want us to be these, these people with multiple personalities because nobody has multiple personalities. You just have one. And a big part of your personality is God's work. God gave you that personality. He made you with that personality and he wants you to have that personality. And he thinks it's beautiful. You might not, but he does. And so what he's done is he's created a way for us to take these broken personalities, these broken pieces of my person, you know, a piece here and a piece there. And then people walk around, they say, this is my social life and this is my work life and this is my school life and this is my church life. And like newsflash, folks, you only get one life. We're not cats. We don't get nine lives, just one, right? And God wants to reintegrate us. He wants us to make us whole. He wants to take all those bits and pieces and put them together again. He wants us to come together 
And that happens the most clearly, the most evidently in confession. Why? The word confession is a Greek word, comes from a Greek word, which is homologeia. Homologeia is a compound word, like it's got two parts to it. Homo, logos. Homo, same, homogeneous, you know, same, right? Logos, word, right? So what it really means is same word or united word. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. We're, you know, we go out for dinner and we're joking around and uh, somebody, one of my friends, you know, Matthew, says some joke and it's kind of a little off and I make fun of him and everybody laughs. And I think to myself, well, you know, he had it coming, you know, he said something kind of dumb and so, you know, good on me. I made everybody laugh. Then I go home, I'm brushing my teeth and looking at myself in the mirror and I think to myself, hmm, that wasn't, that wasn't really nice. I mean, Matthew's been my friend for the longest time. He's always been good to me. He's never been mean to me. Maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, right? I have a change of mind. That's what repentance is. But until I go and talk to him, until I say something, there will be like an awkwardness between us. Even if he totally forgot about it, even if he didn't even pay attention, right? And so when I, at one point, my word was good on you, John. And then later on, my word was, hmm, that wasn't quite right. I shouldn't have done that. And that's where I embrace my brokenness. I embrace my insecurity. I embrace my feeling like knowing that I made a mistake, that I did something wrong. And that's where I align my word with God's word. That's why it's confession is same word. Once upon a time, I said, good on you, John, for making fun of your friend. Jesus says, I don't know. You know, I don't, that probably wasn't a good idea. You know? Love one another by this. They'll know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. There's so much in Scripture that says, don't make fun of people, right? But I ignored it at that time. And then now, I, I'm saying, I'm, I've, I've realigned my word with God's word. I say, no, that, that wasn't right. So that's what it means to have the same word. It's a moment of coming together. It's a moment of reintegration. It's a moment of being real, getting real with myself and getting real and getting real with God, right? Where did I get this model from of Jesus, of, of something taken, blessed, broken, and given? From Jesus. Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, eat, this is my body. Jesus took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. And God is calling you and me to embrace the fullness of our identity and to then embrace that God has chosen us, that he has blessed us. Embrace our brokenness. Embrace where, where are my faults, where are my mistakes. To, to, to fess up to them and go, repent, confess, come clean and be honest about it. And then 
God will give me to the world. That's what it's all about. There's another story where Jesus takes bread and blesses and breaks. And that's with the disciples of Emmaus after his resurrection. We'll finish with this. Jesus meets his two, these two disciples and they're sad along the way because Jesus has died. And some women came from the tomb and told them that he had risen from the dead, but you know, the whole thing doesn't, like we saw him die on the cross and the whole thing doesn't seem to make sense and they're walking and talking and they're sad and Jesus comes up beside them and says, what is this conversation you're having while you are sad? And they say, well, you know, there was one Jesus of Nazareth. Have you heard of him? They say, he says, no. He says, how can you have not heard of him? He was a great prophet, a great man. And, you know, some of us even thought he was the Messiah and, and uh, he died. And Jesus starts to open the scriptures and explain to them from the Psalms and the prophets. And when they get to the town, they say to him, come and stay with us. He says, I, I actually have to keep going a little further. I have somewhere else I have to go. And they insist that he stays with them. So he enters the house with them. And when they sit at the table, he takes the bread and he breaks it, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. And he vanishes. And they realize that it was Jesus. But the mystery is this. The mystery is that the fathers of the church tell us that Jesus didn't disappear. Jesus transformed himself into the bread and gave himself to his disciples that they could be in communion with him and that they could also go out into the world be broken for the world and give themselves to the world and that's what God is calling for you and me to do the liturgy the holy liturgy and and the mass or, or uh, you know and communion is not an isolated event that happens once it is a life God is calling you to it is not just the bread which is taken up onto the altar to be blessed and broken and given to you for communion but after the liturgy God is calling you and he's calling me to, to allow him to take us to bless us to heal our brokenness break us and give us to the world Glory be to God forever and ever.